Okay, we're going to get started. I am going to tape this. This is uh, this is discipleship class. This is Pastor Jay Keaton of Liberty and Faith Ministries. We thank you for being with us tonight. We are in the home of Dana Whit. We're thanking God for him and this Bible study that we have going on. And we just ask you to, to jump into the Word with us as we, we, we start to walk with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read to you guys something. This is, this is very important. You're, we're going to probably re, uh, reflect on this a lot, okay? Because this is the beginning of discipleship, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what the first step in being a disciple is going to absolutely require from anyone who's a disciple. We're going to talk about this one thing tonight, and then I'm going to introduce you to your work field, your work zone, so to speak, as a disciple. And that word is transformation. The very first thing that has to happen in order to become a disciple, before we can even be evangelistic, is we have to have been transformed. We have to have been born again. We have to have been saved. The Spirit of God has to be living within us. And we're going to take a look at this scripture that reflects this as Jesus begins. Jesus is the first one to introduce us to this concept. Because he knew what was going to happen. Up until this point in time, no one had been born again. The Spirit had been on the prophets and been with the prophets as they uttered the Word of God. But no one had had this life-changing, born-again experience because the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. And Christ had not yet died and rose again. So this is very important to understand this very first concept that Jesus began to teach his very first student that came to him by night. And this, this is Nicodemus found in chapter 3. You guys have read this a lot. But we're going to pick this apart a little bit. And then I'm going to introduce you to this stuff. And this is it. There was a man of the Pharisees. That's extremely important. The opening statement. This wasn't just Joe Smith. Okay, Important to understand this. Jesus is about to make a disciple of someone who was probably going to be the hardest person to reach, and that was a religious leader of his day. Okay, This man was already on the road to making a good, a good try at this because he was actually coming to Jesus. The very first thing that you've got to do is come to Jesus. There has to be something that's drawing you. The Bible says the Spirit woos us. And so we have to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. This man of, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Theologians have argued this point. Did he come to be in secret? Or did he come because Jesus was always surrounded by people during the day and he, he knew he'd have an opportunity to talk to him? That's a debated theory that we don't really know the answer to. Probably I ascribe more to the fact that he came to him by night because he didn't want to be seen. Because Jesus was this never... For this man in this conversation that's about to happen, he's going to pay Jesus a great compliment, and then Jesus is going to throw all of his all of his nice little things he's got to say to the curb and get straight to the point. But never does a Pharisee call a blue-collar man, if you will, a rabbi. Never does that ever happen. Okay, So he's paying him an ultimate compliment in his day. This, again, is understanding those days and times that Jesus lived in. You didn't go up to a carpenter, a Pharisee especially, a teacher of the law, and go, Rabbi, to a carpenter? That never happened. So his heart 
appeared to be in the right place. And Jesus knew this. But listen to what this conversation. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly. That's what verily means. Truly, truly. So when you hear something emphasized like that, let your, let your flag of attention go up. Hey there. Hey. Let your attention go up. When Jesus emphasizes something, when he says truly, truly, <coughs> raise your ears up because he's about to tell you something that's extremely important. Truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Again, Nicodemus is trying to make spiritual sense. He's, try, he's trying to make sense of something spiritual that Jesus is telling him through carnal thinking. That can never happen. So as a disciple... We have to change the way we think, and that comes through transformation. And we're going to get into that here as we go along. You've got to stop thinking with a carnal mind and start thinking with a spiritual mind. And Jesus wasn't talking about going back into the womb carnally again. And Nicodemus is missing this, but Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now, I've told you guys this before, and it's really important that you understand this. It, to be considered to be a Pharisee, to be qualified, you have to go through, it typically took about a year of training, and you had to, to absolutely quote the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. You had to be able to quote it word for word without missing a single word. That's how you became a Pharisee. If you couldn't do that, you were not considered a Pharisee. So you're looking, so if, if we don't know this, we're missing a lot of meat in this, right? So here's this Pharisee calling this blue-collar man rabbi, which is absolutely unheard of. And then here's this Pharisee who's going to be taught by this blue-collar guy, this Pharisee who can quote the five books of Moses. And the way they would do this, they wouldn't do it in chronological order. They would say, Exodus, whatever. And then he would have to speak it. And then they'd go, Genesis Whatever. And he would have to speak it. See, in the Word of God, the true Word of God, this is the King James Version that I'm reading from. There were, there were about 18 to 20 other versions of the Scripture before this one was ever written. Okay? So you go all the way back to the original scrolls, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. We were privileged to find them later on. So you, you would have to take the scrolled information and they would have to go, they would follow you word for word. And then if you could do it, then the Sanhedrin would vote on whether or not you were qualified to be a Pharisee. So you're talking about a guy who is schooled in the word right here, who knew more about the Bible than you and I will ever know. But even though he knew all these things, he didn't know God. This is the important thing to in being a disciple, your ultimate goal is not, not just knowing things, but knowing God with those things. 
the two together. The Bible says my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Knowledge is a great thing. And what you don't know can hurt you in this day and time that we're living in. But knowledge coupled with faith, you can know a lot of things and go to hell. You can be the most, you can have more degrees than a thermometer and go to hell, right? So it's not about what you know. It's about Christ, knowing Christ, okay? So we're going through this conversation. And Nicodemus asked this crazy question. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says, again, here's them words, verily, verily, truly, truly. My ears pop up like a German shepherd. Speak it, Lord. I'm listening now, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That, listen to this. Extremely important. Can you tell us where you're reading from? I'm reading from uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through about 8, and we're at verse 6. This is extremely important. Listen to this. That which was born of the flesh, it's flesh. Okay? And he says this, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay? Two births, two deaths, we've talked about this. You're born physically, then you have to be born again by the Spirit. You're born with a fallen nature. The fallen nature has to be crucified, put away, and you have to be risen from the dead, spiritually speaking. So, when I say this, and we're talking about being transformed, it's really important that you know this. Human beings are different. Everybody says we're all animals. No, we're not. You're created in the image and likeness of God. You have a soul. Transformation for a human being can, have, can go two ways. It can go to the evil and it can go to the good. Here's my point. In the book of Genesis, when man was first created, man walked with God. They were clean. They were holy. They were unblemished. They were perfect in the sight of God. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. He knew God. He spoke with God. There was nothing between him and God. I can say that because with authority because the scripture says light and darkness cannot dwell together. God cannot, could not have walked with Adam if there was sin in, in the camp. There was no sin. They were in absolute, utter perfection. A transformation took place in the garden to the evil. Man went from here to here. He was transformed from perfection to imperfection. He fell. He became, he went from life everlasting to death. He began to die. Amen. Christ came to reverse this so that we who left our original state in perfection, those of us who fell, Adam and Eve, and we're all descendants of them, would, would now have the opportunity through faith to be transformed spiritually back into life with Christ. 
The only way that we can walk again with God and have fellowship with God is we have to be, and this is why Jesus is telling Nicodemus this. Jesus is telling Nicodemus something that goes all the way back to the beginning of time, and Nicodemus isn't understanding this. Nicodemus is thinking that the law is making him perfect. Nicodemus is thinking that being religious is the only way. Nicodemus didn't understand. And Jesus is saying, listen, you got to be born again because man was once here. Man is here now. I'm here to make man up here. See what I mean? Transformation has to occur. And it has to occur in a disciple's life to even be a disciple. And if, there, if you're going to make disciples, that has to happen first. Everything else is put in the cart before the horse. So, so in 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And that's very important. It's the spirit that gives us birth. You know, understand that. The, without the Holy Spirit birthing you, and a lot of people, you know, they think, well, this, this whole work doesn't happen by way of the spirit. No, it's the spirit, Jesus tells us, that gives us birth. So the Holy Spirit has to, so how does that happen is the question, okay? We're going to talk about that. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask you to give us wisdom now, Lord, as we get into this uh, specific scripture in Jesus's name, amen. You have to be transformed by God and this is not of your doing. The only part of this that you have, that you take part in, is the faith that you place in Jesus Christ. Then he does the rest. So in order to make disciples, we have to have, we have to be skilled in the word enough to understand that it's Jesus that does this work and we got to lead people to him, right? And we have to be effective at being able to communicate that to a, to a world, listen, that's not stupid. Which is, going to, is leading me to where I'm going to talk to you right now. So, what is this that we're doing? Um, this is life and death. I want you to understand, we're not in a church house. We are in a church house. We're in a home that is this brother's church. We're not in some big building, but we are assembled together in the name of Jesus. And I want you to understand something and get something very much burned into your spirit as we start going into this. I want to make this extremely clear to you that this is not playing games with God. This is life and death. There are people who's going to go to hell. And we want to make sure that people that we come into contact with can experience Jesus through us. And you allow God to work through you to a lost and dying world, okay? A lot of times we like going uh, and trying to get people say it, saved that we like or we know that is very non-confrontational and, and has the best odds of things happening. Well, it will be their ultimate choice to be saved or not, okay? But you have to be, as a disciple of Christ, you have to be able to present this ultimate choice that's theirs to be transformed. I also want you to remember 
we talked a lot about Timothy and Paul the last time I was here. And I want you to understand something. You are living in a time and a place in this earth where it is very, very dangerous to be a Christian. And let me tell you, in some parts of the world, they're still crucifying people because of Christ. Okay? I want you to understand, you're, you are right now planted in this time and place. I believe God put us here and now for a reason, Brother Dana. He put us right here and right now. And he's got this group of people meeting here right now. And I want you to understand that the world that you're about to go out into and, and use and allow God to be uh, used by you in is not going to be, it's, it's going to be not so fun sometimes. And you're going to be in some perilous predicaments sometimes. Look in the scripture. Everyone who lives godly shall suffer persecution. Why? Because you're in a world that doesn't want to hear it. The difference between biblical times and right now is this too. We've become very good at sinning. And we have a lot of very competent people who can refute the word of God with you. And if you're not, very, if you're not careful, they will confuse you and they will rob you of your faith. Okay? You're not dealing with a bunch of people just that, that have no ability to read like back in Jesus' day who had no particular skill, who had no particular knowledge, and they were easily led. You're dealing with, you're going to be out there in a field and I'm going to introduce you to your work zone where you're going to have to be on your game and you're going to have to be close to God, okay? Uh, be very much aware that uh, being a disciple of Christ, that there is some extremely dangerous things that you're probably going to encounter. Um, the spiritual state uh, that we're in right now is an apostate state. It's, it's spiritually deadly. Um, there's a lot of powerful influence that's going to try to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. I'll tell you that. I want you to be ready for what's ahead of you. There might come a time. We Come on, listen. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to look at the world right now and think that everything's going great. Before long, I predict that being a Christian is going to be a very dangerous thing. Yeah. And then it's going to be meetings like this. We talked about the fish symbol the last time we were here. How that was a secret symbol. When people met at homes just like this one, one guy drew half the fish, the other guy drew the other half, and you were permitted to come in. It was a secret meeting because your life was on the line. I want you to understand that. The world that you're in right now uh, is, is chaos. And I want you to listen closely to this as we move, move forward. Because you need to know this. This isn't just, I mean, in this little area uh, in eastern Kentucky, uh, this is, in my opinion, uh, a spiritual vacation. Because people pretty much are, if they don't go to church, they at least respect churchgoers. Where I was from, that did not exist. You were on the front lines of people who hated you, boy. You know. Uh, now, 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 and again, I'm going with that. Down here, 
I mean, at least there is a sort of a reverence with folks that I've ran into that don't go to church. At least that's the way they present it to me anyway. <laughs> but up in Ohio, uh, it's not that way. They don't even play. All right, they don't even, they don't play with you to your face. Chaos. Lawlessness. This is, the, this is going to be your work zone. This is what you're going to go up against. Because listen, it's these people we're after. Right? Jesus said, I didn't come for the well. The physician came for the sick. So why do you need to know this? Because these are the people you need to be going after. These are the people we're after. Listen to this. The chaos, lawlessness, evil, sexual immorality, violence, hatred, criminal activity, drugs is everywhere around you. And it's from those ranks where we're going to pull people into Jesus Christ. And you have to be steady enough, sturdy enough, faithful enough to allow and trusting enough that God will be with you, that he will bless you, and that you can be courageous in Christ because there's no one that can separate you from the power of his love or from the palm of his hand. Even if your life's on the line, we still have to do this. I want And I brought you, if, if you don't think this is true, I want you to listen to this. I got some statistics for you, not only national, but Kentucky. Nearly 600,000 people were raped in 2022. That was the latest crime statistics I could pull up. And uh, they were raped and they were sodomized. Listen, the authorities said that they knew of. And they think that double or triple that number goes unreported. Can you imagine that? That's in one year. 600,000. So if that's double that, well, that's, that's almost 2 million people getting sodomized or raped every, every single year in the United States of America. What a staggering statistic. And we think this is going to be a walk in the park. Listen, even the rapist, God wants to save them. Even that person, God wants to save. Listen to this. 2.3 million violent crimes were committed in the United States of America in 22 that they know of. They think it's probably double that. And if that number is true, the hypothetical number is true, you're looking at two and a half million violent crimes being committed in just one year. That takes in robbery, aggravated assault. Important to remember, burglary, not the same as robbery because it's not considered a violent crime. We're going to get into that. This isn't all the crime. This is just violent crime. That was committed in the United States of America. This is your work zone. This is where you're about to go into. This is what you're about to do. These people need rescued. And it's not for the weak. It's not for the weak. In property crime, stealing, damage, burglary, 6.5 million instances of property crime in America in 22. One million motor vehicles were reported stolen that was reported. These numbers are higher because they said there's so many unreported crime, crimes that go on. One million reports of aggravated assault. One million. Okay? Listen to this. Over 600,000 children, and they believe that number to be double or triple of that, are abused in the United States every, years, every year. 
60%, uh, and they believe, again, again, most, most of this is not reported because 77% of it happened in families by the parents. Nearly 80% of children that are abused are abused by their parents. Okay? That's an, a staggering number that they have on record that, that they think is maybe two or three times more than that because family don't like telling on family. Right? That's staggering. You know what this tells me? A lack of, of the church reaching out. Because if these people were saved, they wouldn't do these kinds of things, guys. Listen to this. I think somebody might be coming in. Hey, what's happening, brother? Everybody on the podcast, Keith Sherman is in the house. So what we're talking about, Keith, is we're talking about being a disciple and we're talking about your work zone as a disciple, brother. Hey, brother. I love you, man. Love you too, brother. How's it going? Okay, so over... 600,000. We're going through some statistics here. And for the sake of Keith, I'm going to go over these again. I'm talking about being a disciple. We're going into the very first step of being a disciple. The very first step of being a disciple is transformation. A person being transformed, being saved, born again. I'm introducing them to your work zone in the world. Okay, And what kind of a world that we're going to be going out into trying to make disciples for Christ. I went through some some statistics here just just now uh, 600,000 rape victims in 2022 that's been reported and they think it's been a lot more than that 1.23 million violent crimes committed in 2022 that they thinks a lot more than every every one of these is just reported incidents right uh, aggravated assault uh, domestic violence property crime out the roof at 6.5 million instances of property crimes that was reported in the United States of America. This is where you're going to be going out to. This is the people that we want to get saved. It's those people that need Christ. So here's who we're going to be dealing with. One million motor vehicles reported stolen. Uh, over 600,000 children are abused in the United States every year. And again, the authorities believe that number to be double or triple that because of the lack of reporting, because of families trying to protect each other. Uh, 60% of children are sexually abused, and then 20% are physically abused. The rest are neglected or left alone or in drug endangerment. And 77%, 77% of children that are abused are abused by their parents. Okay, that's the United States wide. I'll guarantee you that we as disciples of Christ probably know somebody or have been ourselves been abused by either a family member or a close friend in some sort of way. Or you might know somebody. It's that prevalent amongst us. Sin is that. So to think that we're living in these easy times tells me as a pastor and a man 
a, a, a theologian of the Word of God tells me that we're not placing a great emphasis on getting these people saved and these things aren't staggering to us, there should be conviction in us that sends us to these people to get them saved. We don't turn a blind eye because these people, like it or not, God died for them and they need a Savior. And this is why understanding the Word of God and putting the Word of God together and rightly dividing the Word of God, the Bible says to love them who despitefully use you, to do good to them that do these things to you. To go the extra mile. What this meant was, you know, the Bible says when someone asks you to go a mile, go an extra mile with them. Do you, who here knows exactly what that means and why? I'll tell you why. They were an occupied country. The Jews were occupied by Rome. If I was a Roman soldier or a Roman citizen, and I was walking down the road to wherever, and I come across this Jewish man, Keith Sherman, I would look at Keith and I would say, here, take my stuff and carry it. He was obligated by the law to carry it. Punishable by death if he didn't. Did you guys know that? So this is why, think of the humility in this. I'm a Roman. He hates me. He thinks I'm a dog. I'm a Gentile. I am, right? I'm the worst of the worst. Well, this Jewish man has to take my stuff. And he's got to say goodbye to his family or his family's got to go with him. Jesus said, have the type of attitude about you that if this guy gives you his armor or gives you his sword or gives you his stuff to carry, don't only go one mile, but when you get there, say, is there anything else I can do for you? Are you kidding? See, you see all the Word of God we're leaving out? The meaning of the Word of God when we don't know that, that little stuff? It's amazing. When you look at it and you know this, when Jesus says if somebody asks you to go one mile, you go an extra mile, that's what that's talking about. Jesus knew that. All the Jews knew that because they were occupied at the time. This was living in living color to them, you see. So here goes Keith, who is born again and He's saved and he's got Christ in his life and his aim is now on me. And Keith suddenly says, you know what? That guy is just a guy that Jesus died for. He's not just a Roman. He's not just a dog. He's not just a Gentile. He's not a filthy Gentile that I don't have nothing to do. No, Jesus died for him and I'm going to be good to him and I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to walk and carry his stuff and I'm going to have a pleasant conversation with him. I'm going to tell him how thankful that I am for life in this country and we're walking along and I'm going to do my thing and when we get to his house, I'm going to put it there for him and say, is there anything else that you would like for me to do while I'm here because I'm getting ready to head back to my family, but I was glad to be able to help you today. And then I'm going to look at him. But sir, I just made you carry my things. Door open. But sir, Christ is in my heart. And I love you, sir, and God. And, and I, I'm just a lowly man. And then the next thing you know, he has an open opportunity to pray with me. Right? So these wicked people that I just told you about, the one thing that would change their life is a disciple who loves God and who sold out to God who will do something that, that the world wouldn't do. 
Can you love the unlovable? Can you forgive the unforgivable? Can you do that? The Bible, this is why the Bible says, now we're rightly dividing the word. If you love only who loves you, what have you gained? Right. Divine love loves when it's not loved back. And it will involve transformation in a person's life. Because that's what transforms somebody, brings them to Christ. That's the difference between Jesus and all the other preachers of Jesus' day is the love that he had for people. He loved them. And they knew it. They knew that. And they knew that was different between him and the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they had money on their mind. They had fame. They wanted to be the, the kingfish of the temple. They wanted people to recognize them. They wanted their name out there. And I... It is the great love that we have for one another. And that's rightly dividing so the word. It should be for all Christians. All Christians. <laughs> we should love each other, right? And not each other, but we should love everyone. The, the non Christians. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. And you know, Jesus himself said, This will be your identifiable trait. And this will, will be what separates you from all the other religions of the world. And he said, Your great love that you have for one another, this community that's developed as a result of you being born again. But like you said, too, that love reaches out to the Gentiles, to the ill in spirit, right? It's not about me. It's not about whoever. It's about Christ. And we have to focus on that with all that we are. Listen to these statistics. Now let's look at Kentucky, your work zone, your field of, of work, of discipleship. 75,000 crimes were committed in 2022 in Kentucky that they know of. Again, these people writing these statistics, PDs report to them that they think two or three times as much it goes unreported because people are afraid of, afraid of reprisal. They're, they're afraid of what might happen to them. They don't want to, some of the crimes committed was family, don't want to get them, anybody in trouble. 10,000 violent crimes committed, 65,000 property crimes, 6,100 assaults, almost 1,600 rapes, 1,720 robberies, 306 people murdered. That was reported. Right? Crimes against children, which is a separate, this is all adult stuff. This don't even count. So the other stuff that I talked about, about the children, you can add that number on to the total number that was reported because children is a whole different ballgame. It's handled a, a little bit differently. Crimes against children in Kentucky. Okay, like I said, separate numbers. 14,963 crimes committed against children in the state of Kentucky for either some sort of abuse or maltreatment. My daughter deals with these in one of the, the leading city. As a matter of fact, in 2022, Kentucky was leading the leading state in all of the United States for children being treated bad, being abused. Number one in the United States of America. Doesn't that make you be proud to be Kentuckian? Well, and there's a reason for these stats that I'm bringing to you. And pastors should be doing this. Because what, what's the need? What's the need? 
Okay, we worry about church growth in all kinds of different areas. But if we're number one in the in the United States of America for children getting abused, well, you know what? If I was having my church meetings, I'd probably start thinking about the kids. It's the most important right? thing to us right now anyway. Right. I'd probably start thinking, you know, Lord, yeah. you said, blessed are the little ones. Bring them to me. Mm -hmm. Right? Listen to this. It's separate from all numbers. 47%. Listen at this staggering number. And this is all of Kentucky, right? And you can look on the FBI crime uh, website and you can find out what, what counties are worse than other counties. I'm telling you, it's horrendous. 47% of children born in Kentucky are born in poverty levels. Half. Half of all children born in Kentucky. So here you have something interesting. Again, we're disciples of Christ. We're supposed to think. We're supposed God give us a brain. He wants to use us. He wants to enlighten us. He wants us to know what's going on. He wants us to understand. Jesus tells us, he said, go ye. Like sheep out there, go ye. And be as, be as cautious and harmless as the dove. But as subtle as the serpent. Know your work field. Be situationally aware of what's around you. We don't, we don't see that because we're around, we're Christians. Yeah, and we surround ourselves with Christians. Right. And that's our problem. Yes. If you're going to catch fish, you got to go to the pond, Brother Keith. The pond we fish at all the time has no fish in it. Right. Because they're all saved. Right? And so we concentrate on, this is the problem with today's church, brother. And that's, and I say that not to any certain church, but it's all churches, brother. I tell you that because we focus in on growing our church and keeping our members happy. That's the last thing on the list. Once a person gets saved, it's between them and God. I, I prepare you. The job as a pastor, my job is to prepare you. It says this specifically in the Bible to prepare you for the work of the ministry. When you come into church, that should be to prepare you to exit to the, to the work field, to the field of work. That's your, that's your ministry out here. Maybe you all have heard that before. Yes. <laughs> it's not in the church. We like to build our kingdoms in the church. Men like to build their little kingdoms in the church, right? You show me a man that does that, I'll show you a man that's a fool. Because God doesn't want us focusing on, yes, He wants us to, to build ourselves up. He wants us to, He wants us to be whole. But the church is a place to gather strength to go out and to, to, to get these people. Right? So if we understand this, so here we got Kentucky. Now, I don't know if there's still, this is 2022 crime rate. Uh, they were, and I would assume probably still are today, number one. Number one in the United States of America on crimes against children. Parents abusing their kids. Number one in the United States of America. And then 50% of the kids being born are being born in poverty. What's poverty produce? Crime. You know, my mom always said, and we, we never had a lot. You can be poor, but you can be clean and you can be, and you can be right with God. Most people ain't like that. Today especially. So we have got to be aware 
of what's going on today. You are entering into a very precarious situation. People are not like they were 50 years ago. People are smart. They're well-informed. They have the internet. They'll sue you in a heartbeat. They'll, they'll, they'll sue your church. They'll sue you as a pastor. You go out and you say something offensive to them or you say a wrong word. This is, I'm telling you what, this is worse than it was in Jesus' day. It's worse. Because you can lose everything you've got for what I'm telling you to do. You can be sued. Someone shoot you. You just think you're better than me. You're living in the number one state for violence against children. <coughs> so if you think that being a Christian, and I want to I I torch this belief in you, it's not going to be easy. You're going to walk out. Is it blessed? Yes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Why did Jesus tell us all this? Why did he tell us greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Because he knew of the massive struggle it was going to be. So he gave us words of encouragement to cling to because he knew what was coming. He said, if they did this to me, what did he say? Finish it for me. If they did this to me, Yes. Yes. And let me tell you a whole lot more of it because Jesus's ministry was only three years. Three years. John the Baptist, six months. Six months. How many years have we been saved? And if we've been on easy street this whole time, guess what we've been doing? We got to get out there. He said there'd be long suffering. Yes, yes. And, and we, have, we have all these Galatians chapter 5. There's a reason why Galatians chapter 5 lays out, lays out all these characteristics of a saved person. And I'll go through a few of them. Uh, temperance, peace, goodness, uh, uh, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. All these things uh, are laid out because these are things that the world isn't going to be able to be. They're not used to dealing with someone like that especially in the end times world that we're living in. Perilous times will come, spiritually perilous times. You are not dealing with the uneducated. Even people that, I mean, so much information is out there on, on the internet and everything else. People understand their rights more than they ever have. Law is being used more than it ever has. Persecution is going on, even though it's, it's on, a, it's on a, a higher level. You know, it's not, it's not crucifixion and all these kinds of things, but... It is difficult to be a Christian in these days and times that we're living in. Not for a lot of people. Because they're living right here where they just go to church. Here's being a Christian from this point to this point. Well, these people that are on Easy Street are only living this much of it. Because they're letting all this go. And remember the story of Jesus and, and how he said that he gave talents to some. Right? And he gave talents to some and they, they went and they just doubled and tripled and I'm paraphrasing the talents that he gave them, right? That's because they gave all to all of it. And then the other ones lived this little bit right here and just said, well, I know, Lord, I didn't want to make any waves and I didn't want to, so I just saved what you gave me. And the Lord, the Bible says he cast them into hell. Away from me. 
you wicked servant. You know what that means? Interpretation. Let me give you the, the interpretation. They got through to hell. Because here's the deal. God gave. I want to press this to you, and I won't even go into the rest of the stuff I've got here. But Understand this. God gave His only Son so that he that believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That whosoever would believe in Him, God gave His Son the very best of heaven. Listen, and let this burn in was given for you. Now, what are we doing with that great talent we've been given? Nothing? Have we even tried? Did he die in vain to us? Are we satisfied because we're okay and we don't care about anybody else? That's carnal-minded. That's not spiritual-mindedness. Disciples, listen to me. You got to go. And you have to make disciples. You have to preach transformation, being born again. Okay? Being born again. As I said, and I'm going to finish this up with this. I'm, I'm sorry I talk too much. Tammy tells me that all the time. Transformation. Human beings have this unique ability to be transformed to evil or to good. In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, we went from good to bad, needing a Savior then. Now from the bad, we have to be transformed to the good again. That's the very first step in discipleship. The very first thing that you have to be and we're going to do this in steps, okay, on being a disciple. The very first step in being a disciple is you have to be saved. You can't play with God in this same subject matter. You can't play with God. You can't play with God in this. If you are born again, I want you to understand this. If you are saved, Christ is in your soul. Right? There is absolute. We have to be willfully and wantonly suppressing Jesus in order to keep from living the life He wants us to live. We do that through our choices. Through the choices that you make. The deal. The devil's always playing, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Okay, I'll let you go here. I'll let you go there. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. I'll let you have money. I'll let you have farms. I'll let you have fame. I'll let you have money. I'll let you be the pastor of the church. I'll let you do this. I'll let you do that. I'll take you here. I'll take you there. But listen, you ain't going to have time for the rest of this stuff. I don't want anybody to get saved. And then the next thing you know, you've suppressed. The next thing we're going to talk about is obedience. And you've suppressed Jesus in you, His life in you. If He is in you, 
then how can't we be living like Him? That's the catch-22. I always ask people that. Is Jesus in your soul and your heart? Oh, yes. He watches what you watch then. He hears what you hear. He goes where you go. He hears what you say. Everything that comes out of you is filtered through the Holy Spirit of God. You're either, you're either satisfying the Spirit or you're, you, you, are, you are bringing stress upon the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And conviction should be going on. There should be a compelling to see people get saved because that's the whole mission. And if there isn't, something's wrong. Yes. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. 